Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. Do any of you have problems this morning? Anybody got some problems? Oh, good. Well, the rest of you can go to sleep. Um, But if you have a problem, you know, stay awake for the next 25 minutes. Because what we're going to talk about is uh, this series we're wrapping up. You saw it said the four T's of generosity. And the first three T's, if you've ever been to church, you've heard of the three T's. Time, talent, treasure. You've heard of the three T's over and over and over again. Because time, talent, treasure, that's how we show that we are good stewards or managers of what God has entrusted to us. The, The point is that God owns everything. And in our lives, as soon as we come into the world, we're given a certain amount of things. And God entrusts us with those things, time, talent, and treasure. And we're supposed to use them to his glory. And the first three messages focused on that. And if you missed any of those or all of those, I would encourage you to go online and watch them. I watched Pastor Barry's message yesterday about uh, about treasure, and it was incredible. I I really enjoyed um, uh, his message, and and I actually learned some things from it. So I hope that you would watch. But today, we're going to talk about the fourth T. And I never heard about the fourth T until a couple of years ago when I read the book, The Generosity Factor, by Ken Blanchard and Truett Cathy. Truett Cathy is the, was the founder of Chick-fil-A. He's since passed away. But, but uh, the point of the, the fourth T is touch, that God has entrusted us with the gift of touch, and we're supposed to use it also to help people uh, come to know Jesus and to deal with their problems. And, uh, and if we understand this fourth T in our own lives, it will help us. Uh, and, and so all the gifts that God gives us help us first, but we're never supposed to keep them for ourselves. We're supposed to help others. Uh, and that's the whole point of this series, that we're, we're called to be generous with everything that God has entrusted to us. Now, time, treasure, and talents probably seem more substantial than touch. Because time, as Pastor Mark told us at the first message of the series, is, is something, it's, a, it's something valuable. We all get only so much of it. We don't know how much it is, but it's 24 hours every day. And all we can do with time is we can waste time, or we can spend time, or we can invest it. And as he reminded us, we can only really invest time when we're doing something that will advance the kingdom of God. And then the second week of the series, I talked about talents and spiritual gifts. And I said that God uses those in our lives for our own blessing and to glorify him, but also to help other people. And then I said in that message that we aren't just supposed to do that individually, but we're supposed to combine our talents and our spiritual gifts as this local body of Jesus Christ known as New Life Christian Ministry to help people to come to know Jesus here in Saxonburg and in our region, our nation, to the very ends of the earth. And then, of course, last week, Pastor Barry talked about treasure, and he said that we're supposed to store up treasure. But the the thing is, most Americans are good at storing up treasure, but Pastor Barry said we usually store it in the wrong place. We're supposed to store it in heaven not here on earth. And, and how do we store treasure in heaven? As he said, the, the treasure of heaven is people. And so we use the financial material blessings that we have here. We share them with others so that they will come to know Jesus. And that's how people um, receive, you know, that's, that's what tre- the treasure of heaven is, is people. So, but what about this whole touch thing? How, how can me, you know, giving you a hug or, or a handshake or a high five or, you know, laying my hands on you and praying for you, how can that be, be something that will glorify God and it will advance his kingdom. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about it from uh, an incident where Jesus interacted with a blind man. 
And we find that in Mark's gospel, the eighth chapter. And if you have a Bible or Bible app, you want to turn there. It's the second book of the New Testament, Mark chapter 8, starting in verse 22. But before we go there, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. I thank you so much for your goodness and love. I thank you for your truth. I thank you that we can come to that truth in your word anytime we want to here in America. And we we do take that for granted. God, I thank you that we were able to give six Bibles out to each of the Cuban missionaries and in their own language and a study Bible for each one. And that, that, that was probably the best gift that we could give them. God, I thank you today that as we open your word, that you will open our hearts. And I pray for that. You'll open our hearts and our spirits, that by your Holy Spirit, we will receive something that we can live out in the week ahead that will bring you glory, that will help somebody who doesn't know you to experience your touch. And that all of us together can grow to become more like Jesus. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we read in Mark chapter 8, starting in verse 22. If you don't have a Bible, it'll be up on the screen. And they, that is Jesus and the disciples, came to Bethsaida. And some people brought him to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, Do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people. But they looked like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes. His sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. And he sent him to his home, saying, Do not even enter the village. Now, I know some of you are still back there on he spit in his eyes, right? I mean, when you saw that, it was like you forgot the rest of the passage because who spits in somebody's eyes? Well, first of all, what we need to understand is in Jesus' day, spit was considered to have healing properties. Now, that might seem weird until we really stop to think about it. If you've ever been like me and you've been pounding a nail, you know, and you pound the wrong nail, this one, instead of the one that was made out of metal, what's the first thing you do? Maybe it's not the first thing you do, but it's the first thing I do right in my mouth. I'm not going to do that because I'm going to shake your hand later. But, you know, the spit somehow makes it feel a little bit better. And if you've ever been a little kid, and I think most of us in the room who aren't little kids have been little kids at some point, you know, you scrape your knee. What's the first thing you do? First thing I did was, you know, rub it off, right? Makes it feel better. So there's some sense of that. But in Jesus' day, they understood that spit was a good thing and that it would bring healing to somebody's life. And so we can move on from from that little thing. And uh, so the passage is filled with touching. From start to end, it's filled with with touching. It says uh, the first thing that happened after Mark, uh, Mark tells us that Jesus and the disciples came into this town called Bethsaida. What does it say? It says, and some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. These friends of this blind man brought the blind man to Jesus and they begged Jesus to touch him. Why? Well, either they had seen with their eyes or they had heard with their ears that Jesus touched people, and when Jesus touched people, they were healed. And so that's the first point. If you follow along in the outline, it's the first point in the outline that Jesus often touched people when he healed them. Frequently, the Gospels will say this, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man, or touched the woman, or touched the child, and the result of that touching was a demon was cast out, or a deaf person could hear, or a blind person could see, a dead person came back to life. Now, we know that Jesus didn't have to touch people to heal them, In fact, sometimes Jesus wasn't even the same zip code, right? And somebody came along and said, I have a servant and he's sick and would you help him and come into my house? And Jesus Jesus said, I'll go to your house. And in the Roman centurion case, he said, no, 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 I don't need you to come, just say the word. And Jesus said the word and the guy was healed. In fact, in in chapter 10 of Mark, which we're not gonna turn there today, but you can remember this, there's another blind man, his name is Bartimaeus. 
means son of Timaeus. But anyway, Bartimaeus it comes to Jesus, and Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? Which seems like an odd question to me. I mean, the guy's blind, you know, and he can't see. What do you think he wants? Yeah, I mean, if I were the guy, if, probably, if I were the guy, I'd probably say, what do you think I want? I want to see. And that's actually what he said. Rabbi, I want to see. And Jesus says, go in peace. Your faith has healed you. He didn't touch the guy at all. He just said, go in peace. And, and actually, it, he makes it sound like it was Bartimaeus' faith, not his power that healed the guy. So Jesus doesn't always touch the person. But in this case, here's what happens next. It says, he took the blind man by the hand and he led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes, he laid his hands on him. So first, Jesus grabs the guy by the hand. They're in the town of Bethsaida. And Bethsaida is a little town, but not that little of a town. And so to get him from town out of town, Jesus had to walk holding his hand for quite a while. That's the first touch Jesus gave this guy. He held him by the hand. So he gets him out of town, and he lets go of his hand. And I'm picturing that Jesus went, and put his spit on the guy's eyes. You know, that's probably, I mean, maybe he went, but I don't think so. Even, you know, I don't really know. I wasn't there, but somehow Jesus transferred spit from his mouth to the guy's eyes, right? And then it says, he laid his hands on the man, perhaps on the head, perhaps on the eyes, and prayed for the guy. And that's common for, even today, because of the biblical, you know, uh, precedent, when we pray for somebody for healing, we often lay hands on them. So already Jesus touched the guy three times, by the hand to take him out of town, by the time, he's spitting on his eyes, and then when he touches him to pray for him. And, and so here's what happens next. Jesus asks him, do you see anything? Do you see anything? Now let's think about that sequence. Jesus touches the guy by taking him out of, out of town by the hand. He spits on his eyes. He lays hands on him, and then he says, do you see anything? Um, so why all the touching? Why in this particular case does Jesus touch this guy three times before the healing comes? And actually, we're going to find out before the whole healing comes, it's four times. Why? Well, let's talk about touch for a moment. Touch is a very important thing. And here in this culture, when we talk about touch, we have to talk about the difference between appropriate touch and inappropriate touch. Because there is appropriate touch and there's inappropriate touch. I, I don't know if you realize this, but God created us as beings who would touch each other. And, and there are two basic kinds of touch that God created us to experience. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit. And in this culture, it would be totally ordinary for me to use the word sexual. But I'm going to use that word right now. And some of you just went, oh, the pastor said the word sexual. But we're in a culture that's addicted to misappropriate use of sexuality, and yet whenever a pastor talks about it, we, you know, we freeze up. So here's the quote, and this is a quote I want you to remember for the rest of your life. It says this, our sexual parts and our caring parts are together, but we know the difference. Our sexual parts and our caring parts are together, but we know the difference. We know when we touch somebody with our hand, whether that's a caring touch or a sexual touch. We know when we, we hug somebody, we know whether that's a sexual hug or a caring hug. We know the difference, and we have to know the difference, because we live in a culture where all we hear about on the news is inappropriate touch, right? I mean, it's all over the news all the time, and so when we start to talk about the subject of touching, and Jesus is the one that brought it up, not me, we have to understand how important it is for our touches to be caring unless we are married to the person who is of the opposite sex, and Jesus is in the center of the relationship, then sexual touch is totally appropriate. And that's the only time sexual touch is ever appropriate in the scriptures. And so that means it's the only time it's ever appropriate. Um, so anyway, let's get back to the caring touch. When Jesus grabbed the guy by the hand, 
That was a caring touch. When he walked all the way out of town, it was a caring touch. Jesus had him a guy by the hand. Actually, when Jesus spit on the guy, you know, eyes, that was a caring touch. And when Jesus laid his hands on the man, that was a caring touch. Every single one of those touches was a caring touch. So here's a challenge that you face. Maybe you face, maybe I face. If we have ever been touched in an inappropriate way, in a sexual way, when it should have been a caring way, then it's going to be very hard for us, maybe impossible for us to understand what a caring touch even is. And, and we live in a culture where so many people misuse the gift of touch that we have to be so cautious when we even use the gift of touch. In fact, we have so many rules and guidelines, it doesn't seem like we should have to have rules and guidelines for something that God created as a good thing, caring touch, but we do. A couple weeks ago, uh, this family came, they were, they were just visitors, they told me that. They said, we're from North Carolina and we're here with family, but we want, you know, and so I said, I, what did I do? I reached out my hand and I shook hands with the man. Welcome to New Life, we're so glad you're here. And then I reached out my hand, I, I shook hands with the woman, I said, thank, thank you for coming, we're so glad you're here. And then the little boy in the family, they had one child, he was a boy, four or five years old. I reached out my hand to shake his hand, but he didn't take my hand. He came up and he hugged me, and he was like this tall, so he's hugging me like my legs are pulled together like this, you know. So what do I do? I reached out this hand, and I just patted his back. And it was a precious moment. You see, we, we, we need touch, Literally, we, will, we, we need touch. And in fact, there have been many, many studies done in orphanages, a place where children don't have any parents, so they don't receive, uh, they aren't held, they don't receive the appropriate caring touch that they should have. And what they have found through these studies is that not being touched in a caring, appropriate way when you're small can arrest brain development. It, it can cause many, many issues, and it can even, in extreme cases, causes death. So we were created by the God of the universe to receive caring touches in our lives and to receive sexual touch from our spouse when we're married and in that context that God demonstrates in Genesis chapter 2. Man leaves his father and mother, clings to his wife, the two become flesh, one flesh, one flesh. That's the, the, the caring touch of sexuality. So touch is crucial, yet it can be so, so challenging. And when we are generous with the appropriate kind of touch in our life, it doesn't just help us, but it transforms others. So let's get back to this blind man and Jesus. And it says, after Jesus held the man's hand, let him out of town, after he spits in his eyes, after he you know, touches him and prays, uh, Jesus asked him the question, what do you see? And here's what the guy says. He looked up and he said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Now, I don't know if you do this, but when I read passages in the, in the Bible, sometimes questions come to my mind. Like, I go, well, this guy's blind. How does he know what trees or people look like? I mean, how can he say they look like trees walking? How could he know? So I'm guessing the guy wasn't always blind. There was a time when he could see trees, and there was a time when he could see people, and he, some, for some reason he became blind. And now he, he receives the touch of Jesus, and he looks up and he sees people, but they don't look like people. They look like trees. Now, when the people brought the blind man to Jesus and said, please touch him, I don't think that's what they had in mind. I don't think they had in mind that when the man walked away, he would see people looking like trees. And here's the point of that, that Jesus' touch didn't produce the healing that was desired. A touch doesn't always bring the desired result. That's the point that's in your outline if you're following along. A touch doesn't always bring the desired result. And what I appreciate about this count is we see that even Jesus 
had to touch this guy a second time. And I don't know if he had to touch him a second time, but maybe this particular situation, Jesus does touch a guy a second time to show that the first touch isn't always enough. In our lives, we need a second touch, and we might need a third touch, and a fourth touch, and a fifth touch. And I love what Jesus did next. He says, then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. So by my count, Jesus touched this guy four times. He grabbed him by the hand and took him out of the village. He spit on his eyes. Then he laid his hands on it, either his head or his eyes, and he prayed. And then he touched his eyes directly. Four times Jesus touches the man. And so it was the necessity for Jesus to touch the man over and over that brought up today's take-home point. And for those of you who are new, the take-home point is the one point that I'm making in this message. It's the one point we make in every message. And so the take-home point today is sometimes a person needs more than one touch to be made whole. And maybe that touch is for healing. Somebody comes and prays for healing, and the first touch doesn't do it, and the second touch might not, and the third touch. And so we need to continue to pray and persevere in prayer. Maybe that's what Jesus is telling us. And sometimes if we have been touched in the wrong way in our lives, and we need an emotional touch or we need a spiritual touch or we need a physical touch to overcome the problems in our lives, sometimes the first touch won't, won't do it. And we need another touch and another touch, and, 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 and it might be even more. And so we all have problems, and those problems extend across the spectrum, don't they? I mean, some of us have physical problems. Some of us have spiritual problems. Some of us have emotional problems. I think all of us have all of those problems to one degree or another, right? And so the blind man needed a second touch to produce a clearer vision. That was the title of the message. I thought it was sort of cool, you know, a second touch, a clearer vision, because you couldn't see first. Anyway, some of you will get that in the parking lot. Maybe it was just not as funny as I thought it was. Okay, so... The next thing, the next thing that we need to understand is all of us will need a second touch because we don't just have one problem in life. Once the blind man was healed from his blindness, he had other issues. And so he needed touches for that. He needed touches for all the problems of his life. But imagine what happened when Jesus grabbed a hold of the man. He's in the middle of Bethsaida and he starts walking out. I, I picture, so what did Jesus say? I mean, I don't think Jesus just walked along silent. I think as he walked along, he said to the man, what's your name? And the man told him his name. And he said, do you have a family? And, and the man said, you know, I do or I don't. You know, I, I'm not sure. And, and then he, he said to the man, what are your hopes and dreams? And then I think he said this. And I can't prove any of this, right? But I think what he said was, what are you going to do once you can see? What are you going to do once you can see? Because I think Jesus wanted to instill hope in the man as he was walking because, I mean, Jesus knew what he was going to do. I, I don't think Jesus had any doubt in his mind that when the guy got out of town that he was going to end up seeing. And, and so that first touch, Jesus was just getting to know the person, just wanted to, to, to establish that relationship. And then the other touches produced, you know, the desired result that everybody wanted. So to be generous with our time, with our talents, with our treasure and touch, we have to have a basic assumption. And the basic assumption we have to have is that God is good. Because why would we use our time generously? Why would we invest our time generously to glorify God and to tell others about God if God isn't good? Why would we? Why would we use our talents and our spiritual gifts to help others and to glorify God if God isn't good? Why would we? Why would we take our treasure, the hard-earned money that we get from our work, why would we take that and give it away for the purposes of the kingdom of God if God isn't good? Why would we do that? 
And why would we bother touching each other in caring ways if God isn't good? And I raise those questions because while we believe that God is good, there are times in our lives when we need a touch from God and we don't get what we want from God in the moment we want it, and we wonder if God is really good. I mean, I think there are a couple questions that are pretty obvious that come up from this, from this experience, and that is, why doesn't Jesus touch me, and why doesn't Jesus heal me? If you've never asked that question, let me just tell you a couple of times when I've asked it. Back when Nancy and I got married a couple years later, we wanted to have children. And so we started trying to have children. And because we were married, it was appropriate for us to do that. And, and so we, we tried to have children, and we didn't. And for eight years, we couldn't have a baby. And, and so finally, 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 God answered our prayer, and Nancy got pregnant. And just 12 weeks after that, she had a miscarriage. I was like, really? If you're a good God, how does that happen? And a week before I moved back to Pennsylvania, after nine years in seminary and then in Cincinnati, Ohio, moved back to this area 28 years ago. But the very week that I was supposed to be moving back, my dad called me. And he said, your mother had a stroke and it doesn't look good. And so what did I do? I prayed. I said, God, heal my mother, heal my mother, heal my mother, heal my mother. And I, and I was in Cincinnati. I was six hours away, and so I drove home from the church where I was at the time. It was the last meeting I was going to have at that church. And I got home, and I said to Nancy, we had an eight-month-old baby. I said, Nancy, my, my mom had a stroke. i got to go. And she said, well, let me put some stuff in a suitcase, Abby, and I'll come with you. I said, no, no, no i got to go see my mother. And then my dad called in the midst of that conversation, and, she, and he said, your mother's dead. No sense hurrying. And I said, God. What are you doing? Why, why didn't you heal my mother? Now, I, I know that everybody in this room has asked that question, either for yourself or for somebody else that you care about. So, so what's the deal? Why is it that Jesus touches blind guy and he touches this deaf person and he touches this person that's dead and brings him back to life? Why don't we get everything that we ask for? Now, please listen carefully because um, the answer isn't going to be comforting the way we want it to be, but it is comforting. Back when God created everything, it was all good. And God is good because everything was good because God is good. And he created the first people and he created them with a relationship with, which was so amazing and so incredible. In fact, it says that God came every day in the evening in the cool of the day and they sat down and they talked. And I imagine they, they got, gave each other a hug and then they talked about the day and, 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 they, and you know, God would say, how was your day, Adam and Eve? And Adam and Eve would say, awesome. It was a great day. And, and, I, and, you know, and how was your day, God? It was just as awesome. You know? and, and so they had that relationship. But then one day, um, the deceiver, the devil, came along to the, the, the woman and said, you know, you think you have it good, but you don't have it good. God doesn't even really care about you, actually. If he did, then he would let you know the difference between good and evil. He would let you be sort of in charge. But they already were in charge. But somehow the message of I can be in charge superseded the message of I can have this relationship that I already have. And so they turned away from God, and the relationship was broken. And because of that broken relationship, people are blind. And people are deaf, and babies die, and mothers die when you don't want them to. And I'm not saying my mother sinned. I'm not saying that we sinned, that the baby died. In fact, Jesus made it very clear when there was another blind guy. You know, nobody sinned. But in a fallen world, bad things happen every single day. We have problems every single day because of that sin. It's a collateral damage. You know what that means, right? You know, in a war, there's a collateral damage whenever somebody puts a bomb down and it kills the enemy, but it kills 100 innocent people. And so the blindness and all those things, those are collateral damage of sin. And so 
what God has done in his amazing grace is he came in the midst of the mess in Jesus Christ and he lived a perfect life. And when Jesus walked the earth, Jesus showed us what the kingdom of God is like. There aren't any blind people in the kingdom of God. There aren't any deaf people in the kingdom of God. There aren't any dead people in the kingdom of God. All of those things are gone. In fact, you read the book of Revelation at the very end. That's what it says. There's not going to be any mourning, any crying, any pain. Because the old things, the old things of sin are gone. But for now, we live in this fallen world where there are problems everywhere. And the thing that's amazing, the thing that, that is incredible is this. That God has called us to use our time to invest our time generously to advance his kingdom purposes until the moment when he comes back. And he has called us to use our talents and our spiritual gifts to use them generously so that people who don't have anything will be able to understand the joy of having something. And, and that's in the material realm as well with treasure. And it's certainly the same way with touch. And the ideal is that we would be so generous with our time, talents, treasure, and touch that there wouldn't be a missionary in Cuba who goes without toothpaste. No, please, 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 please. I'm not screaming at you people. I'm just, I'm just, I, I'm including myself in this. That's the ideal. Do we have the ideal? No, we don't have the ideal. But the idea that I just expressed is not idealistic. It is God's plan. And, and the thing that we all need to understand, all the thing that we all must understand is God's plan is not being lived out perfectly, but every moment that we become more generous with our time, talents, treasure, and touch, more and more and more and more, it gets fulfilled more and more and more and more. And there are people who are blind in the nation of India today who, who maybe they won't receive their physical sight in this life, but SEAPC, one of the organizations we support, is building a school for the blind there in the year ahead. And our mission dollars are going to that. And so those people are going to hear the good news of Jesus Christ, which is the most important any of us thing can hear. And, and they will eventually be able to function and maybe God will heal them. And I know he will heal some in a, in a physical way, just as he healed six people in that room in Cuba the other night a week ago. And just as he has healed people in this room in a physical way, we don't always get the touch that we want, but God is with us in the midst of whatever it is that we receive. And now that I've had a chance to reflect on all those things that have happened in my life, most of the time what I can say is, I wish my mother were standing here with me today but I wouldn't take her out of heaven for that to happen because she's already experiencing what I, I know all of us want to experience someday. But in the moment when I lost her, I couldn't see that. In the moment when the pain is so great and the problems are so big, we can't see that. So here's the commitment for today. The commitment for today is this. I will offer a second touch to those God sends my way this week. I will offer a second touch to those God sends my way this week. And I don't know what exactly that's going to look like. Maybe you're going to pray for a blind person and they're going to see, physically see. Maybe you're going to reach out to somebody at work who just is mean and hateful because they hate themselves. And, and maybe you're just going to put a hand on the shoulder and, and that's going to make a, a contact and a relationship that will lead to that person coming to know Jesus and having their life transformed. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know what it will mean. But I do know this, that if you understand the difference between appropriate touch, an inappropriate touch. And, and if we know that difference and we give the appropriate touch, people's lives will be transformed here and now. Because as hard as the devil is working to kill and to steal and destroy us, the, the God of the universe through his son Jesus Christ is working even harder to give us life abundant here and now and forever. 
And last Sunday night, well, last Sunday afternoon at lunchtime, the, the director of the district, who's also the pastor of this big church where we were staying for the week, he said, Pastor Chris, would you like to preach at the service tonight? And after about 0.2 milliseconds, I said, yes, I would, I would love to have that opportunity. And he said, the subject is love. I said, oh, there's a lot about that in the Bible. I'll be glad to preach about love. And I actually preached about the four T's and how each of them shows love. And then he said this. He goes, it's the small service. He was trying to, you know, help to make sure that I wasn't too disappointed when I got there. And, you know, there weren't that many people there. So when I got there that night to the small service, there were 675 people there. And so I preached about, you know, how God touches us and loves us through time and through talents and through treasure and through touch. And, and then I said this. I said, and the, the, the most amazing thing is when Jesus was on the earth, he could only touch one person at a time. But now we have the ability because of the Holy Spirit that we can touch each other with the touch of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so then I said this. I said, how many of you need a second touch from Jesus? And 675 people raised their hand. And then I said, whoops. I can't pray for 675 people. I said, put, put your hands down for me. I said, how many of you need a first touch? You've never, never been touched by God before. In your life, you don't know what it is to know the love of Jesus, what it is to know the, the life of Jesus, salvation of Jesus. How many of you want to raise your hand and tell me that you want to know Jesus and his touch for the very first time in your life? And in the very back, it was a long sanctuary. In the very, very back, this guy, young man, teenager, I'm guessing maybe early 20s, he just, as soon as I finished saying it, Boom. And I was speaking in Spanish then too. And so there wasn't any delay for the translator. So he raises his hand. just like I mean, he was wanting everybody to know he wants the first touch from Jesus. And ultimately, there were five people who did that. And so after he raised his hand, I, I, the translator had been sitting in a chair waiting to get a chance to translate. And I said, come here, please, come here. I have to speak the rest of this message in English because I don't want anybody to miss this. And, and, and the thing is this. The, the guy that just had his hand raised up, how many of you around him know Jesus? And everybody raised their hand. I said, then you can touch him in the name of Jesus. And so all the people put their hand on him and prayed for him to come to know Jesus. And, the, and there were four others in the room, and so they prayed. And then I said, if anybody wants a second touch, come forward, which was, again, a mistake because, like, 600 people came forward. Um, and so I said to the pastor, do you have elders here that can pray for people? And yes, and so we filled up the room. And so this was really cool. They're all praying for each other. You know, I'm standing up here watching that. And I went down and prayed for a couple people. And then I just went over and sat down. And I watched the body of Jesus Christ in Santiago, Cuba, minister to each other. And after like 20 minutes, the pastor came over to me and he said, Esta terminado? Are you done? I said, yeah. And he, he went back up and he preached for another 10 minutes. And he had the people come up who had trusted Jesus for the very first time. And then uh, some people took him, them out and they were going to get a Bible and uh, some other um, things, you know, to start their life in Jesus. And so what I want to do to close out this message today is the uh, first thing I want to do is I want to say, if there's anybody here in the room, anybody watching online, who's never had a first touch from Jesus, you've never known Jesus' touch in your life, his salvation, his love, I, I want you to raise your hand. I'm not going to tell you people to put your eyes, heads down or nothing like that. But if you've never had Jesus come into your life as Savior and Lord, if you would raise your hand and say, I want that in my life today. Anybody want that today? I can't even see up there. Is anybody's hands up? No. Okay, so nobody's hands up. So that's probably like what happened whenever I was at the first mission. I said, anybody need a, sec a first touch from Jesus? And they all looked at me and like, we all know Jesus. And I said, bueno, bueno. You all, good, good, you all know Jesus. And then I looked them square in the eye and with love I said, that's not good. 
You know that everybody here knows Jesus. So I said, this week when you go home, you find some friends who don't know Jesus and you bring them back. And I said, I will not be here, but your, your pastor will be here and she will be able to tell them about Jesus. And, uh, and so if there's nobody here who doesn't know Jesus, that's a good thing because you all know Jesus. But it's also a bad thing because there's empty seats here today and they should be filled up with people who don't know Jesus, right? So some of you have, who know me well know that when I come back from Cuba, sometimes this part of the message is a little bit more, shall we say, fired up than it is today. That's because sometimes I don't know the difference between love and an and appropriate touch and just force. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm learning. Force is never what God does. God doesn't force people into his kingdom. God loves people into his kingdom. The touch God gives is always appropriate touch. And so I would encourage us all to find somebody at work, at school, who doesn't know that first touch of Jesus and to receive it. Now, is there anybody here who needs a second touch from Jesus? Anybody just needs, in your life, you need some second touch? Okay, raise your hand if you do. If you don't, that's okay. Nobody needs a second touch. Okay, raise your hand if you need a second touch. Jeez, we Americans are so like, you know. I mean, okay, so some people need a second touch. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to stand up. Everybody who's able, would you please stand up? And I'm not going to go over and try to touch everybody who raised their hand. What I'm going to do is say, turn to the person next to you and give them an appropriate touch. If they're your spouse, you could hug them, you could kiss them. If they're not your spouse, but you know them well, like Jamie, I could do this, right? Because I, I love Jamie. Jamie loves me. We know each other. So go ahead and do that right now, please. You know, whatever seems appropriate. Thank you. Uh-huh, Thank you. uh-huh. All right. Now, okay, enough of that because we're Americans. Okay. So... So now, you can pray for your family. You can pray for your husband or wife. You can pray for somebody next to you. And we always have people up front here at the end of the services who can pray, right? So please uh, feel free to stick around and have prayer for, for your needs or your blessings for, your, for gratitude. But um, remember, in these hands, in your hands, if Jesus Christ is truly Savior and Lord of your life, you have the touch of Jesus. And, and we can be generous with that because there is no limit to the source. <laughs> That's the amazing thing. Whether it's time, which we have a limited amount, but God has no limit. Whether it's talent, which we have a limited amount, God has no limit. Whether it's resources, we have a limited amount, but God has no limit. Whether it's touch, we have a limited amount, God has no limit. We can be generous because he was generous to us first. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you so much for all your blessings. Thank you for the life that is truly life that comes only from you. God, I pray today that as we have been touched by you, you will use us to touch others with your life that is truly life, with your healing, with your love, and and, and God, with your truth, so that all of us can move into that ideal kingdom with joy. It won't be ideal here, and we know that, but it will be ideal one day, and we wait for that moment. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.